and welcome to the Destiny Prague podcast. Our heart is to see people empowered by the love of Jesus and activated by the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Word of God is still relevant today, and we trust that this message will bless you, challenge you, and fill your heart and mind with the truth of who God is and who you are in Christ. We believe that God has a plan for your life, and we want to journey a road of discipleship with you as you discover who He has called you to be. If you'd like to connect with us, check out our website at destinychurch.cz. Let's go. I'm just going to get straight to the point this morning and just say a couple of things. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will, will work these things in your heart. Because the truth is that more than I desire you to feel really happy when you leave here, I desire you to be caught up in awe and wonder for God. Right? Because I've learned that I won't become more like Christ, right, just by feeling really good. But the only way I'm going to become more like him is confronting the things in my life that seek to exalt themselves above him, right? And those are the things I'm going to be speaking about today, right? I'm going to be preaching truth. I'm going to be preaching God's character. And if I say anything this morning that makes you feel a certain way, I want you to know that that is not condemnation because condemnation is not of Christ. It might be conviction. It's God seeking and he's reaching out to you in love saying, yes, that's an area of you that you haven't yet given over to me. That's an area of you that you're not allowing me to bring transformation in. Okay, so we're trusting that the word of God is going to go out in truth this morning and challenge you because I believe that God is drawing us into a deeper, deeper level of knowing him and trusting him. But there are things in our lives, there are beliefs, there are sins, there are lifestyles, there are cultures that we cannot take with us. God doesn't desire, I said this over and over last week, not knowing I'd be preaching on it, but God doesn't just desire the parts of you that you're willing to submit to him. He wants all of you, the whole part of you. Why? Because he is jealous for you. He loves you fiercely. He wants all of you. So let's read Jeremiah. I'm going to first just give you some context, and then I'm going to read the scriptures to you. So Jeremiah was sent, he was young at the time. If you ever feel discouraged to bring the word of God, read Jeremiah 1, so encouraging. I'm going to be preaching from Jeremiah 2. And Jeremiah is sent to deliver a word from God to the people of Israel who had turned their worship, their affection, their devotion away from God to follow their own way. Now these were God's chosen people. They knew God. So in the very presence of God, they were still choosing to do their own thing, right? They'd come through the wilderness and come into God's promised land for them, but there was suddenly a lack of dependence on God to meet their spiritual needs. They'd created their own sources of pleasure and fulfillment right where God was calling out to them. So let's read Jeremiah 2. The word of the Lord came to me, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who devoured her were held guilty and disaster overtook them. Hear the word of the Lord, you descendants of Jacob or the clans of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. 
They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and darkness and land where no one travels and no one lives. But I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. But you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the Lord did not know me. The prophets prophesied by Baal following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord. And I'll bring charges against your children's children. Cross over to the coast of Cyprus and look. Send to Kedar and observe coastly. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. This is what I'm preaching on this morning. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. It's a heavy message, but it's going to get so good. All right, let's go straight into it. Let's go. The Lord, this is now, I'm going to start from the beginning again. The Lord gave me another message, he said. This is God speaking to Jeremiah to go and tell the people, go and shout this message to Jerusalem. This is the NLT version. This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago, how you loved me and followed me even through the barren wilderness. So we start off right off the bat. God has something to say to his people. And what does he do? He goes to Jeremiah and he says, don't go and tell them. Don't go and mention it to them. Go and shout it to them. What must you go and shout? how much I love them and miss them. I am not going to shout how much I am cursing them or separating myself from them. It starts off by telling Jeremiah to go and remind the people with a shout how they are missing God. It says how eager you were to please me, how you loved me and followed me. God is fierce and he will shout, but he is so kind and he wants our full attention. Sometimes that's going to be drawing you in with a whisper, but we so easily forget the part where he roars over us like a mighty lion, right, to get our attention. And some of you need to know this morning that God is shouting his love over you. He is calling you back and you know it. He is shouting over you with a mighty roar. There was a time in your life where you might have been so taken by him, so in love that you would have followed him anywhere. And in those moments, a whisper would have been enough but you're no longer listening to the whispers and he's saying, well, then I'm going to shout because I'm desperate for you. I want all of you. It continues here from verse five. This is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? They worshiped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us safely out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness? A land of deserts and pits, a land of drought and death where no one lives or even travels. I want to tell you something, Malachi 3 verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. God does not shift or change. There is no turning of shadow with him. He doesn't love you the one day, then he's trying to turn his back on you the next day. Right? He is saying, the God of your ancestors the God of every generation before you, the God I am for you today is the same God. He does, yeah. I just feel in my heart that sometimes we lose sight of God because we stop searching for him. 
We lose sight of God because we stop searching for him. The people who had turned their backs of God on God that he's Jeremiah speaking to you, they were fully aware of who God is and what he had done. But they had lost where he fit into their lives, right? We lose sight of God when we stop searching for him and we lose sight of God when we stop prioritizing him in our lives. Because sometimes we get a little bit, what's the word? We get a little bit frazzled. Things get so easily disordered in our lives. And then all of a sudden we start to question, well, where is God? Because we felt him a couple of months ago. Now we don't feel him again. And then we start to think, well, maybe God has changed his thoughts towards us because we did X, Y, Z. The truth is that God does not change. But sometimes we reorganize things in our lives or maybe there's a bit of disorder in our lives and we do not prioritize him in the place where he should be. The scriptures, he says here, you did not ask, where is the Lord? How many of you recently have said, God, where are you? Knowing God, the Israelites, they knew God, but that's not enough. Knowing God is not enough. We need to be placing him in the highest place in our lives so that we can behold him. I am a worship leader. That is really what I love to do. I love preaching. To to be honest, everything that I'm going to be preaching in June, I said to God, I would rather sing this. Like these are things that I can rather like lead worship about, right? Like that is what I would actually want to do. And to me, it's probably easier to lead worship about this than to preach it. But the truth is that why I love to worship is because worship is me beholding God. It's me fixing my eyes on him, right? If you don't know that, that's actually why we worship, to fix our eyes on God, to watch him, to listen for him, to learn about him. Even unbelievers know God, but the sons and daughters of God behold him. They glorify him with their lives. They worship him with their lips because we desire to become more like him. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. I'm going to read that again. And we all with unveiled face, beholding. This is what I'm just speaking about. What is beholding? It's fixing our eyes on him. It's glorifying him. It's watching him. It's listening to him. It's learning about him. So all of us, as we behold the glory of the Lord, as we fix our eyes on him, we're being transformed, the scriptures say, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. That is why God is calling them back. And his number one thing that he says to them is, why didn't you search for me? Why didn't you ask where I was? Because if you knew where I was, you would have been beholding me. You would have been listening to me. You would have known where I was leading. You would have known what I wanted you to do. God does not desire for you to live unchanged. I don't know if you came to the knowledge of Christ and gave him your life because you thought it was a good and secure way to get into heaven. But that isn't the final deal. That wasn't actually what you signed up for. What you signed up for was a life of sanctification. It was a life where you are slowly, day by day, becoming more like Christ. And you do that by beholding him. That's what the scripture is saying to Corinthians. As we behold him, we become more like him. So if you're sitting here and nothing has changed in your life since knowing Christ, then I would challenge if you are beholding him. And I say that in love because I want to become more like him. 
the more we see who God is, our awe and affection for him grows and we become transformed into his likeness. And you know why? Because as we behold him and how magnificent and worthy he is, it's much easier for us to identify the things in our lives that cannot compare. The things that we need the holy fire of God to burn away in our lives because they're seeking to distract. Just like the promised land did for the Israelites, it distracted them. Israel took their eyes off God for a moment. For just a moment, they neglected the transformation God was doing in them. They looked to another and the scriptures say they became worthless for a moment. Verse 7, and when I brought you into a fruitful land to enjoy its bounty and goodness, you defiled my land and corrupted the possession I had promised you. Don't worry, this is going to get better, okay? If you're feeling heavy, it's going to get better, I promise. What is God saying there? He's saying what I meant for your good, you distorted and defiled because you thought you could do better or find better. What you were meant to partake in with me, you squandered without me. Right, He's saying, I brought you into the promised land. I brought you into a fruitful place. I, I rescued you. I saved you from the wilderness, from the barrenness, from places where people don't even live because it's impossible to live there. I brought you out of that, brought you into a secure place for you to behold me, to know what's next. And then you got so distracted by all the nice things around me that you forgot about me. And I heard God say this week that it's easy for us to enjoy the perks and not the person. I felt him say it's easy for us to enjoy the things of God that we forget about God. It's easy to come to church because it's got nice coffee and nice balloons and it's got a nice venue and it's super central for the tram. It's nice to come here because it's a nice place to belong. But if you're not here for God, it means something. It's significant. It's not okay. Because he wants all of you, the way you came to any church, this church may have been through community, but that was just God working. That was just him drawing you in. He wants to love you. He wants to lavish himself on you. God doesn't want you to serve him your way or in a way that serves you, your lifestyle, or your worldview. His way is the only way. If you are not coming in here Sunday after Sunday, listening to the word of God, I want to tell you, the word, it says it does not go out without achieving its purpose. That means that when you are here every Sunday, even if you don't want to be here, the word of God is still doing something in you because that's what it does. What do I ask you to do? I ask you when you leave this place to go, God, what is it that was said today or happened today that you want to do a work in me? right? That's enjoying the person and not just the perks of this place. And maybe I wanted to say that on our eighth birthday because we've grown and God is doing such a beautiful thing in this community. But for me, it's about God. It's about the one. It's about keeping our eyes on him and beholding him as a church. One of our values is that the word of God is our truth. We take him at his word. If you're confused, if you're unsure, if you don't know, what does the Bible say? If you're not sure how to read the Bible or you're unsure about scriptures, there have been times where I've been struggling with something. And I'll say this, I'll ask God sometimes to show me a scripture. Sometimes I will go to a person and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Do you know any scriptures about this? Sometimes I will go to Google and I'll say, 
10 scriptures about anxiety. And I will read. Thank you, Google, for giving me 10 scriptures about anxiety. Right? We have tools at our disposal. God is clear and precise. If you don't know what God is saying, if you don't know what his voice sounds like, read this out loud and you will hear it. This is his voice. This is him. You don't need to wait for a word from God to know what he's doing in your life. You read this out loud. We need to, as I said, just like the Israelites, be cautious to create a God that suits us. God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God does not change, but who changes? Us. We change. We transform into the likeness of his son. And our only desire in life is to become more like him, to become more like Jesus. But the problem comes in, and as the story unfolds, is when we identify more with the image of God we have in our minds than the one true God. Because sometimes we make this image of God like, yeah, God, he's such a good God, such a good father. He doesn't mind that I live in sexual sin because grace and he loves me. But the truth is that God is very clear on sin. He's very clear about sexual immorality. You don't need a degree in theology to know how he feels about it. Go read it. And this is what I'm speaking about this morning. We need to be glorifying the one true God. Beholding the one true God, not the image of him we have in our head. And God's been speaking to me a little bit lately, and I want to preach on this at some point in June. He stirred me to wonder about the lack of fear of God that some of us may have. Not, I'm not saying in our church, I'm saying in general, believers. He's been speaking to me about the fear of God. Not being afraid. If you don't know what the fear of God is, it's not being afraid of God, right? To fear God is to be so awestruck by him that you can't help but bring every area of your life into submission under him. That is the fear of God. And I think we lack that sometimes. We like to bring parts of ourselves but not our whole selves. The Israelites, part of them was living in the promise of God but another part of them was worshiping idols. Part of them was saying, God, this is real good. Thank you so much. The other part was, what can we do in our own efforts to make this more appealing to us? And it may seem far off to us today. Maybe you're listening to this saying, that's not me. I don't worship idols. I don't burn all my golden jewelry to make a calf. That's not me. But I want to tell you every area of your life where God is not priority, it is offensive to God. And the scriptures say it shakes all of heaven. So this might, you might be listening to this and going, nah, that's cool. But the truth is that it even shocked heaven. It says here, I'll read it to you, verse 11. Has any nation ever traded its gods for new one? new ones, even though they are not gods at all. He's actually speaking there about the unbelieving nations. He's saying there in the scripture, not even the unbel- not even God's not chosen people go and do this. Yet you're God's chosen people in doing this. Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay. That's heaven responding to the people of God choosing another over him. Number verse 13, for my people have done two things. Firstly, they have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. Secondly, they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. 
And it was interesting for me when I was studying the scripture that giving our affection or our attention or our devotion to anything else but God is two sins in God's eyes. It says there, right? My people have done two evil things. Forsaking God, right? It's two evils. One of them, it's both rejecting God and secondly, it's trying to create something that we think can compare to him. What is God saying here? He's saying to his people, and this is, this is where I'm going to start encouraging you, I promise. What is God saying here? He's saying, you left a living well for a hole in the ground. That's what he's saying here. You left a flowing stream of living water that would satisfy your every need and you settled for a man-made hole used to catch rainwater. You left me as your source, and you put your hope in a hole. That's what he's saying here. In love, he is saying this to you. You chose another, but that other thing that you chose, the scriptures say, it cannot even hold water at all. It can't even satisfy you for a little bit of time. Nothing can satisfy the way God satisfies. Nothing can meet every need that you have in your life the way he can meet it. That's why he was calling his people back. I brought you into a place of promise and abundance, but you took your eyes off me. You lost your awe. You stopped beholding me, and you got distracted worshiping something that you thought could give you the same worth I do. God was saying this week to me, they chased self-fulfillment instead of God-fulfillment. And how often we do that? We try and fix our own mess. We try and fix our own problems. I got no problem with therapy. I got no problem with medication. I've done both. But to glorify those things over God is a problem. Because he is the great healer. He is close. He loves you. How foolish of us as his sons and daughters to think that anything could come close to what he offers us. In closing, I'm going to start coming to an end now. Can I have the worship team up? Because now I just want to encourage you a little bit. Because I know I've said a lot of heavy things. In closing, I want you to know this. A soul that lacks God is spiritually thirsty. And nothing else can satisfy but God. A soul that lacks God is spiritually thirsty and nothing else will satisfy. You can knowingly or unknowingly try to fill that part of you with everything else, but you will fail. You will never find fulfillment. You will never find your identity. You will never find your destiny. You will never find your purpose. You will never find your calling. You will never find anything else in anything else other than in God. You were created for God, by God, and to be satisfied in Him alone. I believe God is saying to us this morning that He doesn't want us to live our lives drinking from a broken, man-made source when we have the fountain of living water freely available. And I was praying and I was saying to God, you know, whenever I've preached a couple of times about idols, right? And we know that we should have no other God but God. 
He is our one true God, right? We know that. And it's so easy, I think, when we're speaking about idols to go like, yes, cell phones, social media, Netflix, right? I can list all the things that we know are consuming. I get my screen time report on my phone every Sunday morning, really convicting before I come into church. Mariushi's smiling because he gets his too. I get it on a Sunday morning and that's like, wow, that's not even probably an eighth of what I spent in the Word this week. That's convicting. So I can list off all the physical things that I think sometimes take priority over God. Because those things are idols in our life. When God is speaking to the people, yeah, He's saying, you chose something other than me. It's those things, right? But something else that I felt God was reminding me of last night is we choose ourselves over Him. We can idolize ourselves. We can idolize our needs, our comfort. We can idolize our strategy to get better, our strategy to achieve what we want to in life. Seeking anything that we try to build in our own strength, in our own hands above seeking Him, that is an idol. And God is saying in the scripture, He's saying, yeah, I love this example. Choosing something that you build yourself rather than going to God is like sitting in a desert waiting for the rain to fill something you built yourself when you have a fountain of fresh living water available to you that will quench more than your physical thirst, right? Some of us are sitting in the desert waiting for rain when we have a fountain next to us, but we're waiting. God is going to send that rain because I built it and I trust myself. There's a fountain right next to us. You feel lost. Some of you feel confused. You're waiting on something. And meanwhile, God in all of his authority and kindness is shouting his love over you, calling you to drink deep. All you need to do, and this is a harsh word, but I'm going to use it because the scriptures use it. All you need to do is reject everything in your life that seeks to take priority over him and you will be satisfied reject everything that seeks to steal your attention away from god reject it delara said something yesterday she was always afraid when she started really growing and maturing in the word of god and in the things of god she was worried that as she as she forsook, as she rejected the things that weren't of god she was scared that she'd become that really weird christian girl you know, and I was there too. But I want to tell you to be set apart for God, to be consecrated, to allow yourself to be transformed, to go through the process of sanctification, of you beholding God and in response, He's making you holy because He's making you like your son is the very reason you were created. This is not an option A, option B scenario. You don't get to choose which one you want. It's why you were created is to become more like Christ. And what does Jesus say about this? Let's get the gospel in here this morning. John 4, verse 13 to 14. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water, he's speaking water from a well, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. 
making God your source and allowing Him to fill you with Himself is going to give you a satisfaction that you've never experienced like anything in your life. And I've experienced a lot of things, but nothing overtakes me more than the glory of God falling on me and me being surrounded by His love. John 7 verse 37 to 38, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. I love this when they shout, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. He's shouting, anyone who believes in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water flow from his heart. Rivers of living water flow from the heart of God. Where? To you. Not anywhere else. They don't flow into a church building. They don't, throw, they don't flow into your bedroom. They don't flow into your cell phone. They flow into you. This, this morning is not a rebuke. This is an invitation in all love and kindness from God to drink deep. Can we stand this morning? I just felt like the, just you can close your eyes. I'm going to just say a couple of things and then I want to pray over those of us who want to drink deep this morning. Because I believe that the heart of God is going to flow towards His people this morning and He wants to flow into every area of your life. I believe He wants the water from His heart to wash over you and to fill you. He wants to refresh you. He wants His water to purify you and He wants His water to heal you. Let's pray and if you're comfortable this morning, I encourage you just to put your hands out in front of you just as a sign of saying, Lord, I, I want to receive. I want to receive. I, I want to drink deep this morning. I want to encourage you that one taste of God is going to make forsaking all the other things a lot easier. I could give you a 10-point plan this morning on how to bring order into your life. Or I could pray that the God our source, our Father could encounter you now in one moment and it's going to be a lot easier for you to behold Him, to love Him, to forsake anything that seeks to take priority over Him in your life. God, we want to come to you this morning. We want to say thank you for your shout over us. Thank you, God, that you call us back. We may go astray so often, but God, you call us back in your love and in your mercy. It is part of your character that you will never turn your back on your people. You are the same today, yesterday, tomorrow, forevermore. God, you are the same. Your love for us never changes. Your ability to see past our sin and our iniquity never changes. God, we want to come before you this morning, Lord, and we want to declare that we will forsake all others. Lord, we want to repent for anything that we've allowed to sneak in and that we've beheld more than we behold you. God, for some of us, that's material things. For some of us, that's our time. For some of us, it's ourselves. Lord, we've upheld our ideals, our values, our cultures. We've upheld an image of you, God, that is so close to the real thing, but it's nowhere near you, Lord. 
we've upheld that above you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come now in all wisdom and discernment? Would you come, Holy Spirit, and reveal to us the things that are seeking to exalt themselves above God in our lives? Lord, we want to pray that you would make room in our hearts. Would you come now, God, and clear out everything that's trying to take up place in our lives? Because we want to drink deep. We want to drink deep this morning of the love that flows from your heart towards us, Lord. Thank you that you are calling each and every person in this room to be consecrated, to be set apart for a calling and a purpose. I just feel like I want to encourage some of you feel like you've just, you feel like just knowing God is enough. Some of you actually believe that all God wants for you is just to know Him. You think that callings or giftings or being used for God is for some people. And I want to tell you right now that that is a lie. We have all been called. We have all been set apart. And we want to pray, Lord, that you would become our source. Lord, may we drink so deep of your love and of your waters, Lord, that nothing else will satisfy. Quench every thirst in this room this morning, Lord. Quench every thirst with the waters of your love flow from your heart if you're thirsty this morning church come and drink if you're thirsty this morning come and drink what does that look like it means forsaking everything else it means choosing him choosing holiness choosing transformation choosing sanctification it means prioritizing God in every area of your life so Lord, we magnify you right now. We glorify you as the King of our hearts, the King of our lives. Oh, even the King of the church, this church, Lord, would your, would your mighty river even just flow through this church? Thank you, Lord, that you don't rebuke us to make a point, but that you rebuke us to call us back in love. Thank you, Lord, that you're calling us back this morning. Thank you, God, for the gift of your word. Just in closing, just thank you, God, for your word. We would be nothing without it. We would be nothing without your word. Give this church a fresh, fresh grace to love your word. To apply the principles from your word, Lord. Give us a fresh grace to give us a hunger for your word. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.